Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the It's So Weird podcast. Thanks for coming back. Marcy and I took a week and a half break from podcasting. And today's topic, we will be discussing Maria Farmer's painting titled The Settiles. So please join us in this part one conversation of her painting and what she depicts within it. Thanks so much for listening. Yes, both of us are. Excellent. So you also get a file that comes on your computer, correct? I do. Good. I never, <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I've never looked at it. Um, but most of the time I do remember to, uh, I think one time I forgot and didn't record it. And we, turned, we skated past it. But yeah, back up, back up, back up. Indeed. Or... Well... You took a look at the first slide, correct? Yes. I've taken a look at both of them. And let me pull them up here. Yeah. I'll be bouncing back and forth. Okay. Um, Are you going to start with uh, Maria Farmer or are you going to start with Heronius Bosch, which is Heronius? What a name. Hieronymus. 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 No, and that's not even really his name. So that's okay. problematic. It, it, he was called that, and we'll talk about that, but he was called that because uh, he lived in a town called Sertogen Bosch. Okay. Yes, I. So I he basically just took up the name of the town he lived in. Oh, I see it. Like Leonardo da Vinci. Yes. Yes. It's the same type of. He was actually a Van Aken. Yes, he is. <laughs> He's a Van Aken or Van Aken, however you wish to say it. Yeah. So where do you want to start? I don't know. I'm, I'm a little nervous. It's a lot of material to go over, but we'll start off with a small pause. Okay. Um, before we get into the small pause, my thought on that (laughs) is since it is so much material and mostly, um, we're talking about Jeffrey Epstein. So, um, I, I would say maybe in passing mention that her inspiration, uh, for her painting came from this painting versus going, and then at a different time, I would like to research and talk about this painting. Okay, because I was going to introduce Hieronymus Bosch, just mm-hmm. give a little background on him. Okay. And then I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know that that's necessary given all of the information that we have to go over. Well, it's, okay. yeah, it's common on Reddit. I mean, okay. these people know about it. And plus, it, it does lie, it'll help us talk about, um, how she created and layered the painting mm-hmm. because she did mimic him. So yeah. I think it's necessary to, she literally stole his idea of how to create a narrative. Yes. And, and I think that's important. Okay. Well, we can, I just want to mention his name, where he's from, what he okay. did. 
uh, the background of his paintings. That's why it's on the, you know, the description yeah. is part of the first page. But we will then state, we're going to go back to Bosch because okay. he's really important. Yeah. But there's not okay. a lot of literature on him. No. So it's going to be really difficult because it will be all anecdotal or yes. summarizing. Yes. Which with Maria Farmers, we have a lot more. Luckily, yeah. her interviews were detailed because many of the Redditors have mislabeled a couple of people in, in the set tiles. Mm -hmm. And one to say it was Guggenheim and uh, this guy named Aiken or yeah. I don't know what his name was. No, oh, David Crotz. And he, neither one of them are in there. Okay. I think it's from the Netflix shit they watched. Yeah. And because his house was so fucking Guggenheim. <laughs> I mean, it just slapped you in the face. That man was terrible. Yeah. And and I I haven't really heard her talking about Guggenheim. I mean, I think he did a good job identifying everybody in here. Um, so do you yeah, she talks about Guggenheim in her interviews? Yes. But she that was just in passing. Right. Like, not, it was just like a, another tear up the artwork. Um, more in reference to the artwork. Yes. As her career as an artist. So yeah. that's why I thought we brought in, bring in Hieronymus Bosch so that if anybody was like, hey, that looks like Hieronymus Bosch. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. You want to have a pause? Are you going to start us off? I am going to start us off. So okay. we're going ahead and I'll take a drink. All right. Welcome. Good morning. <laughs> We're here recording. Welcome to the It's So Weird podcast. My name's Christy and Marcy is my co-host. And today's subject will be on a recent modern painting. And would you like to introduce the artist? So that I can possibly butcher his name. Oh, Maria no, no, Farmer. no, no, Maria, Maria Farmer. Maria Farmer is who we were discussing today and, and um, in relationship to Jeffrey Epstein and this painting that she has done called The Set Tiles. Yes. Um, she completed in 2020. So it's, it's a year old, um, but it's actually based on a, or, or her inspiration came from a much older painting uh, by Hieronymus Bosch, a Dutch painter. Correct. So I'm going to give a brief biography. Uh, he is not well researched, as in the genre of research for him, but he was born Hieronymus von Aachen or Aachen, 1450 to 1516. So he was a Dutch Netherlandish painter from Brabant. He is one of the most notable re representatives of the early Netherlandish painting school. His work generally is in oil on oak wood and mainly contains fantastic illustrations of religious concepts and narratives. Within his lifetime, his work was collected in the Netherlands, Austria, and Spain, and widely copied, especially his macabre and nightmarish depictions of hell. 
Little is known of Bosch's life, though there are some records. He spent most of it in the town of Sertogenbosch, which was where he was born. Yes. And yeah, he, he was a highly influential 16th century painter in the Netherlands, and he created triptychs. And the, the one you mentioned, the Garden of Earthly Delights, is also uh, referred to as uh, Limpen. Can you speak Spanish? No. Because <laughs> I know it's the painting of the strawberry tree, and I believe it's stated as La Pintura del Madrono. Very good. I don't know. The I'm pretty sure I watched that. Uh, for us simple Americans. <laughs> yeah, I didn't take Spanish. I, I took German. Hence why I can say the German names, but not. Either way, she took his painting as an inspiration to create her painting, which is basically set up in the same way, except horizontally instead of vertically. Yes. And what you and I both decided is that's a whole discussion in itself. Correct? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, I, I really would like to delve more into the painting, but um, really, you know, this is an expression of her 20-year uh, history of her life being forever changed by a man named Jeffrey Epstein, who has uh, been in the news you know, for the last two years, uh, died mysteriously in jail a year ago or, or two years ago, almost it. And I, I find this whole story to be fascinating and incredibly troubling. Yeah, I'm disturbed. Yes. It is what happens when you have unlimited power. <laughs> Correct. And just to let everybody know, uh, the setiles is, I believe, a pun off of the word socialites backwards. Okay. And I received this information mainly from several sources, but my main source, especially on the, who the people are in the painting, mm -hmm. it is from a YouTube video by Sean Atwood. He is a journalist, I believe. And it's called FBI Protected Epstein's Accomplices, colon, Maria Farmer, now legally gagged, exclamation point. Okay. Hey, I have I've not watched that one yet. I've, uh... it's, it's interesting. And it's, she's in there. I mean, she's talking about it. She gets up. She points out each of the people. Uh -huh. She discusses um, you and I had decided to watch the Netflix special on Jeffrey yes. Epstein and yes. her story and everyone involved. Yes. So her painting is pretty spot on. It is. It, it Oddly is. enough, it, it doesn't seem like a lot is made up, it, it, but not by, um, let's, let's delve into this a little bit more visually you can find this online mm -hmm. set tiles by maria farmer and it is on canvas i believe correct yes and it looks like chalk and paint mm -hmm. 
And she has set it up where she has angels up above, like Cupid doll angels, right? Mm -hmm. And in the middle is a land, a yellow landscape with dragons, buses, mushrooms, unicorns, UFOs, UFOs, uh, a lot of phallic, a lot mm -hmm. of phallic. I think I got the point. <laughs> Absolutely. The sky is a little bit divided. Oceanic. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, a, 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 a ocean scene. We have octopus, octopi and jellyfish. It, it is, there's a lot to unpack in this painting. Uh, some of the famous people that are depicted are very easy to recognize Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, you know, they, you are, are, are drawn to them because uh, you, can, you can definitely recognize who's in there. And then the rest of the cast of characters, there are many characters that are depicted underground. Uh, so in hell, uh, there's some flames and things. Um, <laughs> just flames. Just flames. You know, those, those folks, while they, you know, are part of America's elite and, you know, uber rich, not always recognizable. So we have to kind of do a little bit of research on who are these people and what sort of role did they play in Maria Farmer's life and the lives of, she actually represents, you know, the, the other victims, which we, you know, who knows how many there are. There are at least 60, according to the FBI and the Florida investigation. Um, which allegedly. Allegedly. Because, yeah. because he's dead. Right. <laughs> we didn't get a trial. You know, Gisline is still alive. Or Gilang. Yes. I think it's Gilang. Um, sorry about that. Gilang Maxwell is still alive. But I... When I was doing research, I don't know where she's at. I'm assuming she's in protective custody. Yes, somewhere. Yeah, and that's that's really what, I mean, the the painting, I was drawn to it because it was so similar to this Bosch painting. And also not really knowing a lot about the Jeffrey Epstein uh, story. You know, I, I followed it a little bit on the news and, and generally, I, I've been so inundated with cons conspiracy theories over the last, you know, four or five years that usually I just kind of shut off. When I hear someone starting to talk about that, um, you know, that something is a conspiracy, I'm just so mentally exhausted from that that, you know, I, I just kind of shut it off. But I, I really uh, wanted to learn more because clearly, at least in, in my mind, this Jeffrey Epstein was, was a pedophile and um, he had relationships with very influential people and perhaps those influential people also had sexual relationships with these young girls um and and yeah let's let's be clear on this yeah since everybody loves sue this is allegedly 
because this is information I'm getting from her mouth off a documentary. There has been no court trial. No, and we're just interested in. No, I, I, but I do think it's very, I don't think it's conspiracy. I, I think these are pretty much facts. Uh, even if we just list what they do, that is fact, meaning where they work, who they've represented, what, what is their past history as far as legislation or journalism, mm-hmm. media. So before we get into that, because that's a package right there, just saying Jeffrey, Jeffrey Epstein, right? I want to look at uh, the people who actually started the wheels turning for her to get some awareness on this problem. But I okay. really doubt that if she had not come forward and really pursued it her entire life, because she is an artist, that's her job. That was originally what she wanted to do. She went to school for it. She wanted to be a trained artist. She's produced other work. So I'm afraid this painting is going to completely override the rest of her career, so to speak. Yes. I hope not. I mean, she's a fighter. She appears to be a fighter and very stubborn. Because she was 24 when this all started. Yes, and on a side note, speaking of, of her work, I actually... Um, her other bodies of work, I enjoy and appreciate much more deeply than this particular piece. Yeah, I, I am drawn to um, her other bodies of work, which are uh, generally, you know, portrait style of one to two people. Um, I, I really like her technique. This is a little different than what she typically does, but it, it uh, you know, seems to put on canvas a, a um, map of, or, or a, um, you know, a list of characters and- Basically uh, she said it was kind of like a roadmap. Yeah, roadmap. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> a little or, sarcasm there. Um, for people that were involved in this, allegedly, and but the whole painting is not just people. The, the that's where I appreciate that she separated the people. Oh, okay, as in everything, you have how you group people into good guys or bad guys. bad guys. Yes, and she yeah. has grouped four particular people in the good guy section. Yeah. And Cupid. So I wanted to go over those people first. Let's put a little sunshine in this Absolutely. before we go yeah. into the depths of hell. Yes. <laughs> the first gentleman in the, I believe it's the upper left. Yes. Is Brad Edwards. And then there's a blonde woman named. Sigrid McCauley, and then there are two lawyers by the name of David Boyce and Stan Pottinger. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why I know this is because she pointed these people out physically as she was doing her documentary. Yes. This gentleman. So she got up, she, she basically went through the whole painting really quickly, 
she did not um, really state who they were. I think she assumed that everybody knew. Or she just didn't have time. Yeah. yeah. Either way, Brad Edwards, just give a quick rundown, is the founding partner of Edwards Pottinger. He is a nationally recognized board certified civil trial attorney who specializes in providing civil representation for children, survivors of sexual abuse, and victims of violent crimes. And this is, I like this PR. Despite his busy trial schedule, Brad provides hundreds of hours of pro bono services and educational presentations each year to victims, advocate services, and victim rights groups. So for the past decade, Brad has been pursuing a precedent-setting case in federal court on a pro bono basis on behalf of victims who were sexually molested by well-connected billionaire Jeffrey Epstein. In February 2019, the judge on the case ruled in the victim's favor, holding clearly that the government had violated the rights of Epstein's victims under the Crime Victims' Rights Act. And she really speaks highly about this guy. Yes. So, and, and uh, you know, he and his partners, and then uh, this Florida attorney, Sigrid, McCauley, they really uh, were for, I mean, there there were, you know, Florida attorneys that were working for the victims separately from Maria Farmer that really pursued this and went to, went to bat and believed um, the victim's stories. But uh, from what we understand, um, and this is, you know, largely from Maria's side of things and uh, Virginia Roberts, um, another alleged victim, law enforcement, um, the legal system completely failed them in pursuing Jeffrey Epstein because of his connections and his power and possibly the fact that high place officials and billionaires were participants in, in this alleged sex ring. So uh, these are our four angels that, you know, stood up and have continued to fight for the victims. Correct. And by the way, Stan Pottinger and Davey Boys, they were accused at one point in time for being bad guys that they interviewed a gentleman who gave them information videotapes and then he skated. Then they came back to these two gentlemen and said, you were just trying to use the videos to blackmail the people that Jeffrey Epstein was blackmailing. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I found enormously hilarious. Not that they were trying to expose truth with those. Right, things. right, right. <laughs> they handled it well. And and that's the thing. So all of these videos, we have to assume that there is an absolute treasure treasure trove because uh, according to Maria Farmer and Virginia Roberts and others, there were pinhole cameras everywhere in Jeffrey's homes, in his um, airplane. And um, that's fact. And and so is that a fact? Um, that is a 
yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a fact. And yet none of this video footage has been released to the public. I mean, that's, that's kind of, and so when, when he was arrested in July of 2019 in, in New York city at his home, they recovered thousands of photographs of um, underage girls. You know, none of that, that has been made public except for, you know, we, we've been told that there are photographs that I'm aware of. Nothing's ever been said about um, videos or. And understandably, they would reserve it for the court case that they thought that they were going to have. Yes. Yes. But here's been (laughs) a year and a half. It's been a year and a half later and he's dead and so they have to rebuild the case. Yes. And dead under, you know, somewhat mysterious circumstances. Oh, so mysterious. He was, you know, he was, he was arrested. Um, he was put into the um, Manhattan criminal uh, corrections facility. Wait, wait, can I interrupt you for two sure. seconds? I want to refer back to a podcast we recorded on Mag Teens. And mm-hmm. you remember how Caligula's uh, mother was sent to prison, correct? Yeah. Along yeah. with his brother, and they both starved to death. Yes. And one committed suicide because he was starving. So, yes. j- all right. So continue. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, he was placed on suicide watch. And then a week after being removed from suicide watch, commits suicide uh, with a, a bed sheet. Um, incidentally, no, no, not just one bed it's, sheet. It's yeah, he had multiple. He had a lot of sheets. According, according to the images that were released um, in relationship to him, I mean, maybe the guy was cold. I like to have a lot of <laughs> He had more bed sheets um, than I've had in my entire life in my bedroom. And they were all orange. Um, but, but, you know, uh, not only was he, did he have access to, you know, multiple bed sheets to hang himself with, there was also a sleep apnea machine in his cell. He was in his cell alone. The video cameras leading up to his cell mysteriously stopped working. And both of the prison guards that were assigned to him apparently were asleep <laughs> um so there, there's a, a lot of sleep yeah there's a lot of suspect um information and and you know i know that it floated around the internet when it happened and i'm sure that it still floats around the internet that you know it was bill clinton that orchestrated this allegedly that that oh my i i haven't heard that one yeah that's one of the conspiracy theories that um i remember seeing you know, he had to die. Um, well, and, and, and that, that is, and the real question is, uh, to me is now that he's dead, will we ever really, I mean, you know, um, Miss Maxwell has been, um, jailed now. So we can only assume that on some level, uh, the pursuit of the truth continues. Will, will it change? anything will um any of these folks you know if if they engaged in sex with minors you know will they ever be prosecuted for it or will it just be a pass and i think that 
most average citizens believe that this is just an abuse of power and one off and and, and <laughs> yeah one off and it'll be a pass and never it'll never happen again they they won't move this to another person who has uh social contacts that of course they're going to continue this if it's yeah. not addressed i truly believe that it'll just move to a another person. Well, that's, that's how it goes. I mean, this, this is not the first time that, you know, the elite have been caught engaging in pain for sex. Um, what, I, what do you mean the elite? The, yeah, well, I've, I, I've, I've talked written. to a lot of people who've engaged for sex, whether they be poor, middle-class or elite. Sure, but 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 to get to get away with it, to get away with it, no, because you're right. I mean, somebody else just steps in and fills this void, which to me is, you know, it it really, and this is not a, um, you know, a popular mainstream view, but working in the sex industry is a job, and I don't think that it should be a crime. I think that it should be a job with, you know, 1099s and W4s and healthcare insurance and all of those things because it's, you know, it is the world's oldest profession. And, and it's very limited. And it, um, me, meaning you can really only work in that industry for a certain period of time. It's like a model or an athlete. It's a very short period of time. Yes. So that makes it even more, I just, yeah, I guess what you're getting at and what I agree with is it should be legalized. Yeah. That it, that, that would prevent a lot of this situation that's going on where yes. women are taken advantage of, are pumped, are primed, are groomed, uh, either through their greed or they just think they're, you know, they just found a lucky coin or they're Charlie in the chocolate factory. I'm not really sure because if anybody ever invited me into their limo and said, I'm going to take you to my mansion, I would say, no, thank you. Well, and if money was mentioned, I would negotiate. Absolutely. <laughs> no. Absolutely. No, I I I agree. And and you know, that that is, you know, um many of these victims were, you know, 14, 15, 16-year-old girls that uh were poor, that were from broken homes, and they were vulnerable. They were easy to ma- manipulate. I mean, they, you know, had someone that was rich and powerful. And that would pay two or three hundred dollars for a massage, and you know, or offer making two hundred dollars an hour, or pay for your schooling. Yeah, I mean, those things are very tempting and very appealing. And you know, again, this is sort of minimizing their experience and um, not a popular view. But if this were an actual legalized business enterprise then every things would be more upfront and Correct. um and there would it, be consequences yes 
Yes. And if you have a 16 year old in your brothel or your place of business, however you want to describe it, who knows what new labels that that would come with. Uh, Mm -hmm. Europeans, Australians have legalized prostitution. Uh, They have houses. They make sure you're not drunk. They make sure that you're clean, that you have no diseases, that their women or men have no diseases. So it's not just a, I look at it in a larger picture. This is not just a a woman problem because I'm pretty sure there probably are male prostitution rings that we don't even know about. Well, that's not a conspiracy. That's just a fact. Well, it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't quite sell as sensationally. (laughs) Sorry, I, I, I'm not throwing women under the bus. Although I think it's hilarious that she has a bus in there. Um, but we'll go over who is in the painting. Either way, if we if we legalize this, then it takes away a lot of the taboo. It takes away a lot of... Yeah. It, it gives women more options also. Because let's face it, women are vulnerable just by their size, their demeanor, how they're raised. They're not very argumentative. They don't seem to protest when they're uncomfortable. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which I've heard that for many people in my lifetime. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't mean, want to make them mad. You bitch and moan immediately when something isn't right to you. And, and most uh, women do not. Um, would, you, would they call me a Karen maybe? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Either way, oh. yeah, if I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to say something. Yeah. But it, it's not like I'm uncomfortable a lot. It, it, it's rare, but it does happen. And it happens yeah. in well, places. Yes. And, and, and also keep in mind, you and I are no longer young teenagers. And, and um, while it's easy for you to say that you, you know, spoke up and used your voice every single time that an uncomfortable situation happens your entire life, 95% of the women do not have that voice. I mean, I, I am as guilty as, um, you know, anyone of given a pass to an inappropriate um, remark or uh, uncomfortable feeling. Um, and I think that that's, you know, that's our society. That's how um, our society has, has trained women and girls. And that is changing. We, we talk much more openly about men say how to respond to um, someone saying something inappropriate to you or uh, putting you in a position that that makes you feel vulnerable or compromised. But that's really only been in the last 10 or 20 years. So I I think there's still a lot, a lot of learning generational problems. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, this, this, um, Jeffrey Epstein allegedly have has been engaging in massages from young girls for you know from the 1990s at least 
and and until he was incarcerated. So twice a day. Yeah. What a libido. Like just gosh, his his muscles. I mean, I don't think they were probably great massages. You know, I I get a massage. I haven't gotten a massage in a in a very long time, actually. I don't know if I could stand to have two a day. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know if I could deal with that. So, so, I'd be so relaxed. I wouldn't be able to do anything. Right. Right. So I'm just letting, sleeping. Yeah, I want to get into these characters here, um, these individuals in this painting, because uh, you did a great job of breaking this down. Um, I went on a rampage, didn't I? Yeah, you did. And I appreciate that because, you know, um, a week ago we had like five or six of these folks identified and now virtually everyone in the painting has been identified and, you know, sort of what role that they played in this, um, you've kind of broken it down. So I appreciate that. I want to get into that. Yeah. And I really kind of hate it that Jeffrey Epstein's the superstar in all this, meaning as the bad guy, the villain, mm-hmm. because he certainly had an equal partner, which was Giz- Ghislaine Maxwell. And she's in the center of the painting. He's okay. up in a UFO looking a UFO. Ship. And all isolated, bubbled up, wrapped in the package. And Yiling's right in the middle, like a lizard. Yes. So I would say that Maria Farmer really felt that she got thrown under the bus by a woman, which I is would agree more terrifying. <laughs> yes. I think you and I could both say that we're used to being um, wary, not always, around men. There's always that element in the back of her head. Oh, you know, no, I would just like, I, I don't feel that way about men. I feel very comfortable with men. I feel comfortable, but it it has to be the first initial. I, 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 I really never feel that way around men. I do uh, frequently question motives of women because we like, I mean, yeah, I, I do. (laughs) <laughs> I'm paranoid of both. I, I, yeah, I don't know if paranoid is the right word, but, I, but I am generally, my, my radar is peaked a little bit more with, uh, women trying to do and, you know, uh, give to me, I'm a little bit more wary of that than a man, because, you know, to me, men's motives are fairly obvious. And I'm not, and and I don't mean that sexually. Most of my interactions over the last 20, 25 years with men have not been sexual. I don't know, maybe they're not attracted to me. No, really, I think that it is, I don't put off a vibe that my interaction with a with a man is is um gonna lead to anything. Correct. Um, so um, I think that that's part of it. I grew up in the 80s and the 90s and uh, mean girls were really a thing, like girls that would, uh, you know, take you under their wing or <laughs> give you attention or whatever, only to turn around and do something horrible to you with, <laughs> yes. with, was a part of my real growing up. And right. And, and, and thankfully that culture, that's one thing that, uh, with my 20 year old daughter, I noticed 
you know, when she was 10, 11, 12 years old, her friends, and she really had each other's backs and they really lifted each other up. And if she had interactions with girls that weren't like that, she didn't seek them out again versus her, um, you know, somewhat naive mom who, uh, you know, my mom used to say to me, you're anybody's dog that'll hunt with you and you need to not be that way. And what she was saying was, if, you know, the popular group sought me out and wanted to include me, then absolutely. I was all for that. That was really important to me. And then I'd get screwed. And (laughs) it took me a while to learn that. And so, yeah, I'm a little bit more leery. Um, My experience, I guess, would be that, uh, you know, there are more Miss Maxwell's in my life than um, there should have been. Not that anybody asked me to join a sex ring. They <laughs> never not once never not once nobody ever asked me either <laughs> I really didn't have a lot of friends in high school I'd be that antisocial person I pretty much rejected all offers of being in a clique because yeah. you know how I feel about groups yeah they yeah. start they start packing and uh, somebody's got to be the bottom yeah yeah, but it's got to be the bottom, and uh, it's yeah. not like I would be the bottom all the time. But you would have to participate in making somebody else the bottom. Does um, that make sense? Yeah. In no, that that well, that experience. Yeah, I think generation. I think that that um, was a fair experience for high schoolers of our time, and um, I hope that it's less so now. I I, I, I do too. Yeah. So but, anyway, but who knows? But, that's what we're talking about though this is 16 like that's how you think it's 16 yep yeah not all 16 year olds during this modernity but in her time period when this first started this was um she was a little naive but she was ambitious she wanted to be an artist people were offering to make her a bigger artist and i'm talking about maria farmer Yes. And so she thought these were just business opportunities. I really do believe that. No, I, I, when she talks about selling her painting for $6,000 versus uh, $12,000, you know, early on in my business, I, I had situations like that where, you know, basically it was like, okay, I'm, I'm a very wealthy and powerful person. And if, you know, you will do this for me for, and cut me a deal, then I, I will make sure that this changes your life in a positive way. It really only took me one time of realizing that I was working for someone for basically nothing um, and that I was the hired help and I could be spending my time making, you know, five times as much as I was making in that, that um, length of time to say, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not going to undervalue what I do. And, but I do see the allure of it. I do see how people make those choices. And sometimes those choices work out just fine. Sometimes, sometimes those folks are completely legit and And sincere and sincere. But what I've found with wealthy people that want you to work for less than what you think you're valued at, they are never going to value you and you're never going to be fulfilled because you were allowing yourself to be undervalued. And, and so 
um, I very much am committed to this is, if this is the job, this is what I'm going to charge for the job. And if you don't like that, that's okay. We can still, you know, like, like it's okay, but I'm not going to do it for less because you don't work for less than what you think you're valued at. Do you? And um, so unfortunately, Maria Farmer did not see things that way. She saw things like, I am going to sacrifice financial independence and, you know, basically her life, you know, she, she lived with them. She, you know, was, was completely manipulated by them with the hopes that it would turn into larger commissions, bigger opportunities for her. And, and then when, uh, you know, she was seduced by it and when the red flags started coming up, she just ignored them, dissociated from them. She said in one interview that it was like, she just wore a a zipper suit of herself and would just unzip the suit and take it off uh, when things um, uncomfortable happened. When she saw children being led up to you know, the upstairs portion of Jeffrey Epstein's house for, you know, Victoria's secret modeling um, interviews and things like that. And so she really, you know, unfortunately her, her mindset was, was to just ignore that, to get through what she was um, going through and, and trying to achieve on her own. Correct. I think it would help to understand who all these people are in the past. Yeah, so let's because, get into this. You know, you you mentioned um, Victoria's Secrets and things like that. And it's funny because when you listen to her interviews and she drops names, you know, she drops company names. You're like, where where's this going? Correct? Yeah. Yes. And so when I did my research and went down the rabbit hole of just facts, it wasn't yeah. even like it was a... Yeah, so Jeffrey Epstein did have a connection with Victoria's Secrets. In Correct. What, he, he was uh, who would business. you like to uh, go over first? Do you want to go over the associates or do you want to go over the people who threw her under the bus? <laughs> because well, there's we, a left side and a yeah, right side. We, we've already talked about the models uh, or, or the angels um, in here. And, and so really all that we're left with are the villains. Um, are, are the <laughs> well, and, and some of those were, uh, you know, um, folks that were associates of Jeffrey Epstein and, you know, some of them were employees. And then some of these folks were in the media and in law enforcement. So I'd like to go ahead, since we were just talking about uh, the Victoria's Secrets connection there uh you know mentioned leslie wexner um who was at the time and for about 25 or 30 years the owner of victoria's secrets and the limited and jeffrey epstein was his financial manager um and he gifted jeffrey epstein this 77 million dollar mansion in manhattan um so clearly they were bros. They had a very close relationship. And uh, Maria Farmer actually stayed at uh, Leslie Werner's mansion in Ohio for a time in um, 95, 96. With Abigail Wexner also. Don't get yes. her out. 
he's yeah. the peacock and she's just to the right of him in the painting so yes. you have uh gile maxwell in the bubble as a lizard and then below her is uh, the head so to speak yeah the peacock and to the right is his wife is his wife abigail and um apparently they have this enormous mansion but uh why wouldn't they victoria's secrets the limited right right um and um invited maria to stay there and be a painter in residence uh which typically is is from what i understand like a pretty cush gig you know a painter gets to stay at someone's house and yeah it um, goes back to the tradition of having a patron Yes, yes. And, and yeah, it's, it's well, and having, a, and having a patron, that's exactly it. So you have and, it should be that they're taking care of. Yes, that the, that the painter is taking care of. And that really, it, according to uh, Maria Farmer, that was not really the case. Like she was not really paid. Um, she was uh, unable to leave the compound. Um, she no, we're calling it a compound. Yeah, well, it's no longer a mansion. It's, an, it's a mansion. It's an estate. Um, but you know, uh, so she she felt trapped there, and and that's not typically the relationship that um, a artist patron. has with their um, yeah. you know patron. So not unless you're like in the 15th, 16th centuries where they can beat you. Yeah, well, they were the guild master. Yeah, we don't live during that right. time period anymore. I right. thought so. So yeah, so here's this billionaire businessman, whom um, Epstein and um, Maxwell have a you know 25 year relationship with, and um, you know these are also they are philanthropists. You know they they you know, really the, the elite, the socialites, they, um, you know, support Ohio State University, supposedly, you know, good, well-rounded people. And then here they are allowing someone to be sort of held prisoner at their house. Um, allegedly. So, allegedly. Um, <laughs> allegedly. Right. Ridiculousness. Right. Well, to the right of Abigail Wexner is Randy Bowie. Randy Bowie, yeah. And he wasn't really covered much. Um, he was security. Yes, he, he was kept the girls in line, I assume. Yes. Um, yeah. He, he was the taxi. He he was, yes. And and um in one of the interviews, Maria Farmer goes on about him basically pacing outside of this. Uh, Warner estate for 12 hours to intimidate her when she was wanting to leave. Um, and you mean uh, Wexner? Um, no, Randy Bowie was was pacing outside Wexner's estate. Oh, I thought um, you said Warner. My yeah, bad. I did, I did say Warner. I think you said Warner. I did. <laughs> um, Not to be confused with another elite uh, exactly. company. Um, so you know, um, yeah, he he is depicted in here um, right beside Abigail because I would say of that relationship of him being the security guard. And then Vicki Ward, gosh, 
you know, she's a journalist, uh, wrote a piece on Epstein for Vanity Fair in 2005, um, you know, and it was, he 2003. was 2003. Okay. Um, and, you know, he is this sort of elusive tightened of, um, you know, business and stocks and, and the stock market and uh, Vanity Fair wants to know more about him. And she gets a hold of this uh, connection uh, between Epstein and Maxwell and Maria Farmer and Maria Farmer's younger sister, whom, Annie. yes, whom, uh, you know, Epstein had sort of taken under his wing and was going to pay for her schooling. And um, he was grooming her as well. Ward talks with both sisters, um, writes a story, and then her um, editor, Graydon Carter, squashes that portion of the story. And so after the Farmer sisters have believed that maybe their story was finally going to be heard after it having been ignored from 1996 to 2003 by the FBI, by law enforcement, enforcement. lawyers. Uh, Yeah. Then they open up their vanity fair and, oh, there's nothing um, in there. Not one word. Not one word. And that is because apparently Epstein showed up at Ward's office and threatened her. um, Allegedly. Allegedly threatened her. um, And uh, so, you know, she, uh, she and Carter pulled that part of the story. She did state, this is not alleged, but she did state as a fact that she was pregnant with twins at the time. Yes. When um, they approached her. Yes. Threatening. Mm-hmm. She did state that. So we can say that on her perspective, her narrative or story is, is that she was pregnant and she dropped it like a hot potato. Yes. Yes. And, and the threat that allegedly Epstein consistently uses is the threat of power and influence. Hey, you are nobody. I know everybody. And if you don't do what I say, then no one will believe you. I have power to make your life. He'd blackball her. Yeah. Yeah. That's been um, done. That's yes. not conspiracy. There are plenty of people who've been blackballed before. Sure. It, in Hollywood. Sure. Well, I mean, certainly Farmer felt that way because she went so far as to go into hiding for 10 years. I know. I know. It's so sad. It's like a movie I was about to watch called The Copycat with Sigourney Weaver and uh-huh. uh, Holly. Oh, I forget her last name. Is it Holly Hunter? Yes. Yes. Oh, I love her. Okay, I, I know I sound like a ridiculous little girl, but I love those two actresses. So. I, yes, I love them. I love them. I had to turn it off because I felt like I was watching Maria Farmer's life. <laughs> That's how ridiculous. Well, um, no, I I think that this is a a a story that has been told time and time again. People that are in power sometimes abuse their power. I don't want to say 
every time because there are definitely some good people that have influence and help other people's lives um, or seem to. But I think that that is a a story that is told, and and um, we we little people, we um, just regular folk, I think can really identify that with that because it does it it happens in our lives, you know, um, in little ways and in big ways. People with power can make your life a little more comfortable, a little bit better. Um, they also, if they choose to, can make it a little less comfortable, a little not so great. A funny, totally insignificant example of this um, happened to me yesterday. Uh, I was late to my exercise class, and it is very clear that if you are late, you do not get in. They will allow you to be up to three minutes late. That's it. And then you're barred. Yes. And in and, and all the time that I've been going, no one has ever been late. I was late yesterday. And the class started at three o'clock. And I called at three o'clock. And I said, listen, I am two to three minutes away. I will be there. I am terribly sorry. Please allow me this one time. I've never been late before. Allow me this one time to come in. And they said, oh, okay, sure, sure. I walk into the class and my friend who's been going a lot longer than I have looks at me and says, how did you just get in here? Oh, no. Has she been refused? Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's got to burn. And I said, listen. I am always nice to them. I always, you know, I, I, I communicate and I'm complimentary and I am always nice and I've never been late before and they know I won't make a habit of it. And I said, you are not always nice. And I said, so it helps. To, to be nice. To, See, and yes. I, this yes. but, but I mean, it's just a little example of how power works. You know, um, yes, I but this being nice thing it has its benefits and its drawbacks. You well, sure. need to know when to use when to that. not be nice. Yes, when <laughs> not to be nice. I yes. think that's the problem that I see right so, now. But, but anyway, that's just a little example of, of how people use their power. You know, and we, we all do things like that. We we all do things like that, and this is. Um, you know, allegedly Epstein, you know, definitely could use his influence to help you if he wanted to and to threaten to destroy your career um, if he wanted to. So, so that's correct. And I think that's what he did with Graydon Carter. He told the editor, if you publish that, Right. Things are not going to go well for your job. Right. The right. same as with Vicki Ward. And I, I believe, and I'm just surmising this, we'd have to interview Maria Farmer. But I, I think she just felt resentment towards Vicki Ward that Vicki Ward then came out in 2015, started saying that she yeah. knew all along Jeffrey was a creep. Yeah. That 
Yeah. Imagine how hurtful that is. I mean, that, that is, I would be very resentful of that as well. I mean, sort of like your friend was resentful that you got into the club. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I see like, it. You, lady, you, Marcy, you aren't following the rules and we all have to follow the rules. And how are you getting by, by not following the rules? And, you know, yeah. So, you know, the gatekeepers, the people in power made a decision that, hey, we'll let this gal in and maybe not somebody else. But moving on, we're we're sort of underground in the hell identifying these characters. Uh, the next one sort of on our, our list down here is um, Leslie Groff, Epstein's assistant. And Correct. this is... Yeah, so his he actually had a couple of assistants that are in this painting. I think I think you and I both are in agreement. The women that assisted this and and facilitated this, it's just really nauseating. It's just really, yeah, nauseating that um you know, it's one thing for a peer to sort of throw another peer under the bus, but for grown ass women to, you know, manipulate and recruit young girls and pray and pray on young girls. It is nauseating. However, again, it's not unheard of. I mean, (laughs) there've been multiple sex rings busted um, that, that that were led by women um and it's age old yeah yes it really is age old it is it is I I mean mean, we can go back in history and cite multiple multiple circumstances where women yeah basically took advantage of other women based off the power what they would gain in the future from somebody else and um whether we like it or not we are a package We've been sold like that for centuries. I just don't see how in 50 years that's going to really change. Well, and then that brings me to Gloria Allred, who by all accounts is a champion of women's rights, is um, a high-powered attorney that has, um, you know, defended uh, uh, or represented many, many women she is in this painting and she is a bull and she is engulfed in flames and shitting and shitting. And so when (laughs) I saw this and you told me who this was in this painting, I was like, what? That's, that's, that's not right. Um, But this is, you know, again, this is uh, Maria Farmer's story to tell. And so, you know, in doing some research here, Maria went to Gloria Allred and wanted representation. And Gloria, an attorney, um, and if there's one thing that I know about attorneys, they don't take cases they can't win. She wouldn't take her case. She didn't have any evidence. And, you know, that is, I, I, I wonder now, what does Gloria already have to say about this situation, you know, um, having declined to take the case um, and, you know, and being who she is, a champion of women's rights, 
does she um, have any regret? Yeah, does she maybe regret it? Does she maybe, you know, think, but probably not. I, I, I would say no. I, I, um, none of the attorneys that I know regret anything that they ever do. Well, we saw that in the Netflix, uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein documentary. A couple yeah. of the lawyers were gloating how they had gotten him out of the yes. original prosecution yeah. of him and gave him a free ride. Yes. Which is well, illegal, by the way, because that was proven to be against the law. Yeah. The agreement that was made was against the law. But yes, I would say Gloria Allred, I can't speak for her, but she did turn down the case. But she probably still has the same thing of, see, I told you there was no way to win it because he's dead. So she probably saw the writing on the wall that if he did get arrested, if he ever did get prosecuted, it wouldn't end well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she knew the connections that were going on. I really doubt she's very savvy. She's very familiar with Hollywood with politicians she kind of reminds me yes but i i tv show yeah i i kind of when i think about these things and and about how um molestation and affairs and and basically you know uh sort of the under the table um sexual things that go on in our society you know um i think about how many times it you just brush it off. You just ignore it. Um, you know, I, I, at one time had an employee that was having multiple affairs and I felt some things like my, my, my gut told me some things, but my rationalization took over because I'm like, no, she wouldn't do that. Like she has a terrific looking husband and he adores her and she has this great life. And, um, you know, this went on for several months before basically I was confronted with the facts. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, Uh oh, yeah, yes. And then I think about that with, um, you know, just the numbers of um, pedophiles and child molesters that are out there. We all know some, we have to. And um, that's a sad thing. I know multiple and most, most every one of them has not gone to jail. Right. And, and so you got to realize that some of them you might actually like, or have some sort of relationship with. Um, So, you know, I, I, I say all of that to say, you know, uh, while you might travel in the same circles, while Gloria Allred might have traveled in the same circles, I doubt if every single person that traveled in those circles was aware of this inner circle. So, Correct. and that's where I want to talk about guilt by association. Yes. I yes. want to be very careful with this. But before we get to that, I'd like to introduce one of my favorite. Characters. I know the dunce cap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Am I right? I, I yes. I, I would like With the to purple shirt. Yes, Alan Dursowich, who, um, you know, when he represented OJ, uh, God, that's been forever ago, thirty-five years ago. I was like, bleh, 
how disgusting, what a disgusting man. Uh, he is a defense attorney. So by definition, he should make your skin crawl. And he does. Um, most recently, he's represented Harvey Weinstein. Um, turns out that didn't work out so great for Weinstein. But this character has gone after one of the victims, um, Virginia Roberts. Uh, he has sued her. She has sued him for slander. Um, you know, uh, it has been rumored or it is alleged that he actually participated in this sex ring. Um, yeah, you better say alleged, alleged, because he might come yeah, after you. Sue me. But um, he's got enough money to. But but yeah, so so this character right here, he is, you know, almost as prominent as Miss Maxwell. He is more prominent in the painting, in my opinion, than Jeffrey Epstein. Absolutely. Um, I couldn't even hardly find Jeffrey. And I know I find that interesting, but that I think that that does represent sort of depicted how he is described by many people is that he was in this bubble and um, Miss Maxwell did all of the acquiring all of the legwork for him so um, yeah she yeah. was very good PR she was a negotiator she had the gift of the gab so they used to say yeah uh, I think he was elusive uh, obviously for very good reasons um yeah, I am. I, I am curious. No one really knows how he made all of his money. And I that is one of the things that I really would like to know is where did all of his money come from? Well, he had to have a lot because I believe Alan Dershowitz doesn't come cheap. No. Correct? No, hell no. I mean, thousands of dollars an hour. I, I would say it's his billable hours. Um, but yeah, so, so anyway, um, yeah, Dershowitz is, uh, displayed prominently in here. And then the other person, uh, that is, is really prominent that we don't hear a lot about is this, um, Sarah Cullen and she's driving the bus. <laughs> yeah. I had a hard time looking her up and then I had yeah. to go back to the video and watch him as he pointed her out. Yes. You know, she and um, the other assistant, they have not been arrested. No, they have not. Yeah. But uh, I do believe that, I could be wrong, but I believe that her family fears that prosecution still is very possible. That's alleged, but yeah, she's pretty much gone underground as far as being a socialite. She's not very prominent anymore in the news because her husband was, um, or I believe still is a, isn't he a famous Indy 500 driver? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, she's married to some car driver. I'm not very good at that. Like I, I would never know watch anything it. about a car driver. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's um, your husband. <laughs> Let me go find the information. I'm, I'm looking. Um, I do believe she is married to Brian Vickers. Driver. 
and he is a NASCAR driver. See, and he's a ginger. Yeah, he's really cute. Yeah. So, um, you know, I I he was a personal assistant. That's basically what it came down to. Is she was another socialite that probably allegedly created connections for uh, Elaine and yeah, all these people that we have yet to talk about. Yes. Well, we have all of these, you know, characters that, um, you know, participated in this um, sort of, uh, according to uh, Maria Farmer, um, into the exploitation of young girls. We have all of these characters. Um, And then even we haven't mentioned Bill Clinton or Donald Trump um, or Jeff Bezos uh, that were all supposedly part of this inner circle. And I mean, at least with Bill Clinton, we know that he flew on his private jet multiple times and he was at his, um, at Epstein's party Island at least once. So, um, and then there's always that in sort of imprint on the public's mind that, you know, Bill liked the ladies. (laughs) <laughs> and he's done a lot to, he has done a lot to rehabilitate that image but it just came crashing right back with this Thanks everyone for coming back and listening to part one of the Maria Farmer podcast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you'd like to email us with any questions, our email is itssoweird101 at gmail.com. Hope you have a great day. Sometimes that's the way it goes I can't
Can't forget and you can't remember that story